You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand, a unique podcast going inside the game, behind the game, to tell you what you really need to know about sports, about football, about making you smarter, about the things that are in the news. There's a ton in the news this week with the NFL. We'll get to all that in a minute. We are presented, as always, by DraftKings, produced by Jack Connell. Music you hear under me is that of my son at Boy Blue Tunes on Spotify. What a week it was. I want to get to the coaches in a minute. Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll moving on from their teams. That's a story in itself. That's a a 24-hour period in coaching that we may have never had before. I want to get into that in a minute. First, let's talk about some end-of-season stuff with the NFL as we head into the second season, which is the postseason. Some looking back. First of all, Ratings better than ever. It's like every week, every year, it seems there are more and more people watching the NFL. So all the networks are in now. And the overall number is astounding. 18 million people. Average game for the NFL was 18 million people. Think about that. So an average NFL game, taking into account the 1 o'clock, the 4 o'clock, the night games, the Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, that is an incredible number. 18 million people are watching these games on average. So let's that's a 7% increase from 2022. I'm sorry, yes, from 2022. And let's go by network. Ratings were up 29% on ESPN, which got a better slate of Monday night games. 24% on Amazon which obviously increased in the second year. 8% on NBC, 5% on CBS, 2% on Fox. Every day part was up. How is this happening? Well, again, the the popularity of the NFL never seems to amaze. Never. Remember when there were supposed threats to the NFL's premier preeminence, whether from concern about head injuries or kneeling during the anthem or any other perceived threat? No. It's hard to fathom now what could remove the NFL from its lofty perch. And as for the media deals, that was the biggest story in the business of sports in 2022, that the NFL inked these 11-year media deals worth $110 billion, $10 billion per year. Well, we marveled at that. I was amazed at that. But lo and behold, that may end up being a good deal for the networks and not so much for the league. Now I know they have an out after seven years. I think they're gonna take it because look at the way this is going. 18 million, we talked last week about whatever it is, 93 of the top 100 were NFL programming in terms of broadcast program last year. It just never ceases to amaze. Now in the midst of all this, you have end of season news on the other end, NFL office is laying off 200 people. Now, with all this prosperity and popularity, why would they be doing that? Well, I guess downsizing happens to even the best of companies 
at even the best of times. So reports indicate that they've offered this number, 200 people, these voluntary buyouts, which of course are not voluntary. They must accept by February. And of course, if they don't accept, we know what the outcome will be there. So the NFL in this unmatched age of ratings dominance, unmatched age of popularity, all day parts, all networks, up almost 30% on ESPN alone, they're saying goodbye to 200 people. So it just shows you that no matter what's going on, this is something where, you know, people are always downsizing. They're always cutting, they're always finding ways to cut costs, even with these extraordinary numbers. So the NFL is having a year that you just shake your head. Like, when will it end? Where is the dominance going to lie? And speaking of that, the end of season means a lot of things. Now, I always thought that moment after Packers season when I was there, was, a, was one of the saddest moments of the year. Whether it was after a regular season in early January, playoff game in late January, early February, it's all the same. That day you walk in and coaches for the first time are not wearing team-issued sweats. They're actually wearing street clothes. And then the players are having a meeting. They're wearing street clothes too. You're used to seeing them in sweats and they're gone. You know, they pack the, they use the boxes to pack up the lockers. They're out. And by midday, the day after the season, whether that's regular season or playoffs, that locker room's pretty empty. And it will be empty for a long time because the NFL has a mandatory three month no attend the facility period mandated by the CBA now. You can't even go to the facility for like three months. And maybe they'll show up in late March and they start the program in late or mid-April. So just to give you guys an insight into what the end of the season is like, it, it becomes a like the shining, these facilities, right? It becomes like the shining. You go from a hustling, bustling locker room one day, game day, and then you come back and then it's like everyone's gone. Coaches usually take off a couple weeks and players are all gone. Now, the good news for me working in a facility is like, wow, I got to hang out in the weight room. <laughs> I got to use the sauna, the steam, the cold dip whenever I want it. There's no one there. Training room, trainers are available for any injuries that we had. Uh, so that was interesting. But I think the one thing is people don't realize how quickly it ends. The finality of the end of the season is really something. And I will always remember every year sort of saying goodbye to the players, standing there like I'm a camp counselor as they file out to go to warmer climes like Texas, Florida, California, etc., a few of them would always ask me, this happened every year, like, hey, Drew, Andrew, you have to uh, stay here? <laughs> like, you got to stay here in Green Bay? And I'm like, yeah, it's my job. And uh, I have to admit, after hearing that a bunch of years, I'm like, maybe one day I won't have to stay here. <laughs> it started my feeling about Maybe I'll get out of here, get out of that life and do something else. Anyway, that's the end of the NFL season. And now we get, well, before we get to the coaches, I got to talk about my team. I mean, I, it's, I know I'm, a, I'm a annoying as hell on Twitter when the Packers are doing well. I admit it. I'm an unabashed fan. I'm biased. But this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. First year quarterback, 40 million cap hole for Aaron Rodgers because of a 
oversized contract they did a year ago, which still stuns me why they did that. Um, youngest team in the league, cheapest wide receivers in the league by far, cheapest tight ends in the league by far, one of the cheapest quarterback groups, one of the cheapest linebacker groups. I mean, it's just all over and over again. This team has no business outperforming other teams. They're with a first-year quarterback. I know he sat three years, learned behind Aaron Rodgers and got schooling, but wow. So I am just, oh, I'm just so excited about the Packers, and I think they can beat the Cowboys. Now, listen to what I'm saying. A team that could win the whole Super Bowl, I think the Packers can beat them. Nothing's better as a fan, and I'm still a fan, even though I'm in the business, even though I shouldn't be, but I've been a fan because my kids are fans. We grew up, they grew up in Green Bay, so we're all fans. Nothing's better as a fan than proving doubters wrong, than having, and as a person too, where people don't believe in you. They say, no way that can that happen, and it's happening. I heard so much negativity about the Packers and especially Jordan Love the beginning of the season, early in the season, and look where he is now. He's probably playing as well as anyone in the league. The Packer way seems to work, draft and develop, uh, which is simple. Again, draft and develop, trust your scouting, and trust your coaches to, to trust young players. Again, the mantra of the Packers is trust your scouting and make your coaches play young players. And look what they've become. It's working. And I'll be in Dallas and I'll watch old friend Mike McCarthy against our Packers. And who knows what happens to Mike McCarthy if they do lose to his old team, the Packers. Which brings us to the coaches. Um, let's start with Nick Saban. The college football is a little different than pro football. In pro football, when you think of a team and a person aligned with the team and the brand, it's a player. Now, maybe we'll talk about Belichick in this vein a little bit too, but Saban was, is the brand of Alabama football. It's not a player. And even when they have Tua or Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry or Najee Harris or whoever, Devonta Smith, they're not the brand. Saban is the brand. So you have a coach and he's making a ton of money and he's a hard ass, but he's a brand. So losing Saban will take Alabama football down a notch because he's built the brand. It's a great brand, but it's a lesser brand without Saban. So Saban is a less, I mean, Saban makes Alabama a better brand with him than without him. Now they'll be without him. Now it sounds like he's going to continue and be part of the program and all that, which is great, but it's Saban. Wow. Walking away. Listen, I have some memories of Saban for, there was a two year stretch when I was at the Packers where he was an NFL coach, the Miami dolphins. And there were a couple of league meetings where he was at. And I remember this picture, this, we're at the NFL meetings, whatever sun-soaked, beautiful, posh resort we're at. All the coaches kind of mill around. And I'm looking over at the coaches one day, and I never forget, Nick Saban is holding court. Now, this is a new NFL coach, even though a longtime college coach. He's holding court with all these grizzled NFL head coaches. And he's talking about, he was coaching at LSU before the Dolphins, talking about this player. He talks to this coach. Hey, Andy Reid, I coached this guy at LSU. Let me tell you a story about him, right? Hey, Belichick, I coached this guy at LSU that you got. 
Let me tell you a story about him. Oh, this guy. You should see his mother. You should see his his friends. Oh, this guy. You know, he came into the... Oh, it's like Nick Saban is over there holding court, regaling these NFL coaches with stories, and they're, they're soaking it up. He's got them in the palm of his hand. Just what I always remember about Nick Saban. He didn't last long with the Dolphins. He actually was a staff that turned down a free agent named Drew Brees who wanted to play in Miami because the doctor, not Saban, but the doctor dinged his shoulder there. I thought that was always interesting. One of those franchise-defining decisions based on someone else's decision. Uh, so Saban's gone. Wow. And then we'll see, you know, I've heard one big time recruit is already, already decommitted, this chaos. If they go after someone else, if that happens, then coaches will go after that team's players in this wild west of recruiting and the portal and collectives and paying players to play, even though NIL was never supposed to be about that. That's a whole nother story. Okay. Second coach, Pete Carroll. Oh my God, Pete Carroll. I am a, such a fan. I interviewed Pete Carroll 31 years ago to be head coach of the World League's Barcelona Dragons because NFL people told me you should interview Pete Carroll. So I did. What a, what a energetic spry guy. This was at age 40 something. Now he aged 70 something. He's the same way. By the way, he said, Andrew, this sounds really cool. You know, the way he talks really cool, but no, I'm not going to Spain. I'm not derailing my NFL career to go to Spain. I'm going to be a head coach. Anyway, Carroll has an indefatigable presence. He is always on. He's always spry. He's always, more than anything, positive, eternally sanguine Pete Carroll. Wow. He is also something he brought something to the Seahawks not a lot of people know about that really is still kind of woo-woo compared to other teams. Carroll brought a mindfulness coach. If you guys know Michael Gervais, he brought him in more about being your best, motivational, self-development, self-help. He's brought in uh, meditation people. He's brought in positivity people. That's what, that's what he's all about. You know, he is not going to coach the Seahawks anymore. I think that was not mutual. They want to move to another era. But give it up for Pete Carroll, because as an older guy, I'm not 70-something, but as a guy in his early 60s, I look at him and I'm like, I want to be like that when I'm 72. And I pride myself as being one of the younger 60-ish guys around. He's one of the younger 70-ish guys in the world, maybe. Wow. 72 years young, spry as can be, energetic as can be, does not want to ride off into the sunset, really wants to uh, show the, what he is still. And he'll be around the... Seahawks, I guess, unless he gets another job. Okay, now we get to Belichick. I mean, 20-something years, 26, 27 years. If you're a New England fan of any age, it's been most of your life. Now, if you're older, of course, different. But wow, longevity is always something I admire in sports, whether player or coach. What he's done there is amazing. We don't know the whole story of what's shaken out between him and Kraft and how it's worked out. But this is an amazing story that he and New England Patriots, and this is a time for rejoicing with him. There's enough hosannas going around about him that I don't need to add to that. But what I will say is something unique, I think, because from a business of football point of view, this guy is truly unique because 
coach general manager, right? There aren't many, there haven't been many, and he's been the only one to do it with success because it's such a different job. A head coach has to motivate, inspire, get people to walk through brick walls for him. A general manager has to be completely detached emotionally. He's going to cut these players. He's going to cut their purse strings. He's got to be future focused. What happens after this current group of players? He did both and he did it with aplomb and he did it well. And I worked for Mike Sherman with the Green Bay Packers who had that role. And he would say to me all the time, Andrew, I'm going to make you the bad guy because I can't be the bad guy. I'm the coach, even though he was GM. And I said, fine, I totally get that. That's what Bill Belichick has achieved, that it's hard for anyone else to do that. You know what? Because everyone else is too nice. And maybe it's because Bill Belichick is emotionally detached and some would say not very empathetic. (laughs) Maybe because of that, he's able to do this. I think the big reason is his intellect and his ability to read people and read and do scouting as well as coaching and do it in a good way. I mean... This is astounding that he was coach general manager. Now, we'll see where he goes and will he have that same responsibility. Maybe not. But at his age, maybe he doesn't want it or care about that. I think he'll still want to coach and there'll be jobs. Me personally, I probably wouldn't go that way. I believe in hiring somebody young with a new vision, but that's him. Bill Belichick, no longer the Patriots. Pete Carroll, no longer coach of the Seahawks. And no longer coach of Alabama, Nick Saban. I mean, we thought a big story was Mike Vrabel being pushed out by the Titans, but, and it is, but now we've been hit with this triumvirate of massive coaching moves. Wow. What a time, what a time it is. Okay. Uh, A couple more things before I go. It's almost like, again, a story that is a massive story just gets buried among all the big stories this week with the coaches and the NFL and, and Saban. But Tiger Woods is departing Nike, that relationship, 27 years. I mean, think about this is the whole longevity we just talked about Belichick. Nike signed him 27 years ago. It was been multiple times renewed. The last renewal was 2013 for $200 million. That just expired. So Tiger's moving on. Nike's moving on. We don't know why. Obviously, Tiger's on the downside of his career. Uh, and Nike's doing other things. Nike stopped being in the golf equipment business in 2016. So Tiger moved on to Bridgestone Balls. He moved on to Footjoy Shoes, and he moved on to TaylorMade Clubs. So there really hasn't been much of a relationship, but that iconic picture of Tiger in his maroon Sunday jersey made by Nike just made it all seem, you know, right with the world. So... It's just a note here and a sadness that that it's over. It's now nostalgia, Nike and Woods. Maybe the most iconic brand partnership between, besides Nike Jordan. Maybe it's Nike Woods. And by the way, you know, this was this was a social movement as well. Someone that looked like Tiger being successful at golf hasn't happened much. Nike took advantage of that and promoted that. And the other thing that's so different about the Nike uh, and Woods was the cleanness. Nike bought out head to toe, right? They bought out head to toe shoes, slacks, shirt, hat. How many golfers are there any that don't have little billboards going all over on their hat, on their side of the uh, shirt, on their bag? You know, this was clean tennis too. You don't see it much where they're just clean head to toe Nike. 
Now, of course, that changed in 2016, but let's give a word for Nike and Tiger. 27 years, Jesus. That's more than a generation. Okay, last thing. I don't want to talk about this too much, but I'm asked so much about this. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, listen, I knew Aaron Rodgers well in those three years he was a backup. I've communicated with Aaron since, but not a lot. And I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. So when people are asking me about this and that and what he said about Kimmel and what he said about COVID and what he said about the vaccine, listen, I have been an unabashed fan of Aaron. I get it. And I got a lot of heat for it over the years on the field, of course, but even off the field, because I saw back in the day what a, what a wry sense of humor he had and what an ability to to not take things too seriously, which served him well when we had the messy divorce with Brett and, and also just a high intellect. I know people call him, you know, stupid and he does his own research. He thinks he's a doctor, but he's smart. Listen, Aaron is smart and he tested off the charts on Wonderlick, whatever that's worth, but he's a smart guy. And I enjoyed talking to him all the time when I did at the Packers His again, his sort of California cool, but I'm just, I'm not going there with this stuff, right? I'm just not. Like, life is too short. And if I could give everyone one piece of advice is if there are people with a lot of drama in your life, find new people. Life is too short. There's enough to worry about without involving yourself in drama. And I love Pat McAfee. I've been on his show. I always enjoy that. And I enjoy McAfee and Rogers most of the time. And I thought that's the most open and honest media out there for a player the past couple of years. But now it's just drama, right? Whether it's drama with Kimmel or drama with ESPN or drama with everyone hates us or drama with everyone's trying to cancel us and no one agrees with what's going on. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. I'm out. Now, Aaron comes back and talks football, sure. But I'm not going there. So in terms of Hey, Andrew, you know, Aaron, what do you think about it? I like Aaron, but I'm not dealing with drama. You know, it's just if I start seeing this, this uh, agitas on, on Twitter and everybody's getting excited about what Aaron said or what Pat said or what Jimmy Kimmel said or what ESPN said, I'm like, no, nah, I'm out. <laughs> right. I'll come back when it's when it's safe. When the waters have receded. Okay. If I, again, advice for people listening, you know, me, I'm not hot take guy. I'm not trying to get clicks. I'm not trying. Life is too short for that. People that do that, you know, they go through highs and lows. They go through drama. No, it's not worth it. I want to be authentic and I want to be who I am. So I have been an unabashed fan of Aaron Rodgers. I still listen to him. But when this stuff happens, I'm out. I'm out. All right. Speaking of being out, <laughs> I'm out for this podcast. Coming to you from Miami, where I just taught a class of, uh, I'm teaching all week, of 45 law students and business students. Good group. I start my semester next week at Villanova. Uh, after a long break, back in it with teaching. You can read me at the at the newsletter every Sunday. You want to get that this week. You do. Andrew-Brandt.com. Instagram Reels or Instagram. I'm putting up some funny stuff there. Andrew Brandt 2. Andrew Brandt on Twitter. 
Sports Illustrated column, and of course, this podcast that I hope you find unique and give us a rating and a, and a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate that. Thanks to Jack Connell, producer, musical producer, my son, Sam Brand at Boy Blue Tunes. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brand.